Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters podcast. It has been a couple of weeks, and man, it just seems like time is harder and harder to find these days. A lot going on, a lot of things happening, but here we are with this episode of the podcast. And today, I want to talk about something that's probably been discussed a million times already because I'm always late to the party, right? But I want to talk about something that has been happening in our world that we have seen take place over the last several weeks and even the last couple of months and and, and maybe even before. But we've seen this happen as a result of the pandemic of 2020 with COVID-19. Now, many of you already know the story about James Coates. He's a pastor in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, just to our north, our neighbors to the north there in Canada. Uh, they were told to shut down their churches and all of those things because of COVID-19, right? We're in the middle of this worldwide pandemic, and they were told by their health department and officials to shut down church gatherings, that they were not essential. Well, Pastor James Coates, believing, like I personally believe, that churches are essential and should have been open throughout the entirety of of the pandemic in 2020, but here we are in 2021 now, and obviously this pandemic hasn't gone away, but there are um, vaccinations that people can take, and I'm not here to debate whether or not to take the vaccine uh, on this episode. That may be another thing that we can talk about at some point, but we're in 2021 now, vaccines, we're a few months in, and apparently in Canada, it is still not a very good idea to gather with the saints on the Lord's Day inside of a building. So they did just that, and I believe it was toward the end of February that Pastor James Coates was arrested and taken to jail. Now, Pastor James Coates spent over 30 days, I think I want to say it was 35 to 37 days, somewhere along in there, in this jail cell, and he would only have one hour a day to come out and be able to wash take a shower, clean himself up, just one hour outside of his cell. All the rest of the day, 23 hours inside his jail cell. Now, this is for a man that simply continued to gather with the saints, as the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10. Now, I don't believe that that is a suggestion to gather with the saints. I believe that is a command from God written through this man, written from this man, the writer of Hebrews, telling us that we should gather with the saints. And James Coates held that same conviction, continued to operate as a church, was arrested, taken to jail, spent over 30 days there, one hour a day was out of his jail cell, the rest of the time inside this jail cell, and then was recently released. Now, Pastor James Coates did not come out and go straight back into his church building because what happened was the health department there and with the help of the police put up a fence around the building. And not only one fence, they put up two fences surrounding the building to keep people from coming in and keep people from worshiping so nobody could get into this building because there were two security fences surrounding it, 
And then there were armed police officers there standing guard, making sure nobody goes in this building. And I haven't seen last reports, but I, I did feel like I read somewhere where some people came and tore down the fence. There were like 200 police officers there to keep people from going inside of a church. Let that sink in. Now, we know that there is persecution going on in China. We know that there is heavy persecution going on in other parts of the world. But this is in Canada, which is really close to us now. And this is happening just to our north. And some of you may argue, well, this isn't severe persecution. And some of you may argue that this isn't persecution at all. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here today is, is this persecution? So essentially what has happened now is last Sunday, and I'm sure this Sunday as well, the church had to pretty much go in hiding, although they still put out their their sermon and all those things on YouTube. So it's not necessarily the underground church, but it is a kind of in theory an underground church because they're they're blurring out people's faces that may be there. Um, they are not telling where they're meeting, unless I'm sure you're part of that church and know. So they don't want the authorities to come find out where they're meeting and then arrest people all over again, shut this place down. So they're still gathering with the saints. And some have asked, and, and, and I've talked about this before, is this persecution? Now, I think we have to, to think really carefully when we talk about persecution. This was... Not obviously a time where a pastor was martyred for his faith. There, there, people in the church weren't being beaten for their faith. Um, they were threatened. Uh, James Coates was threatened. He stopped preaching the gospel, basically stopped preaching about Christ, and he wouldn't do it. He continued to meet, continued to preach about Christ, was arrested for it. Now, I believe that is a form of persecution. We see that in the scriptures with Paul, with Peter. We see these men go to prison for their faith, and that is a persecution. It's not a persecution that that is has a, a physical abuse coupled with it, but I still believe that you, if you are stripped of your everyday life, of your freedom, and you are thrown into prison simply because of your faith, then I believe that's persecution. Now, some may argue this. Well, James Coates defied the health department's orders and he remained open when he really should have closed the doors and gone online. And many of us have done that. We've been there, done that, gone online. I know early on with this pandemic, our church, we went online for three months. And once we, we, we learned a little more about the virus, once things started playing out and we see these things, after about three months, we gathered with the saints with some, with some safety protocols in place now, of course. But now in 2021, we have had to push our rows closer together. We've got people coming to our church. Uh, we've got still hand sanitizer laying out, but for for the most part, we're business as usual. But here, just to our north in Canada, they're having to hide when they meet for church services and not tell people where they're gathering unless it's the, the, the ones that are there part of that church. So... I, I want to say that no, it is not a physical persecution, but it is a persecution of sorts. And I, I, I am one to say, no, he was not disobeying the health department's orders. I, if he would have shut down his church and remained shut down, knowing with what, everything that we know about this virus now, knowing about the essential things that remained open, strip clubs, 
um, uh, alcohol places. What are those things called? Um, liquor stores. That's what I'm looking for. Liquor stores remained open. Um, strip clubs remained open. You could go get an abortion during this pandemic. So if these three establishments could remain open, why not the church? Plus, I think that as we are commanded to gather, the Bible doesn't tell us to gather online, and I know that we can we can split hairs over this, but we are to gather physically with the body. And I believe that Pastor James Coates and the leadership at Grace Life, I believe, Grace Life Church, in Canada, I believe that they were being obedient to God in this moment, to where we, we had to look at all of the things that are happening. We have a vaccine on the ground. It's 2021. We know a lot more about this virus than we used to. And then you have what God has said in his word. Now, God has said to gather with the saints. This is a command. So you weigh these two options out, and after you've had a year now to think through the the virus and, and, and what's happening with this, we have to obey God when we are called to obey God. Now, some of your churches that may be listening or watching this, some of your churches may still be closed down and just online, and I, I would just simply say that that is up to your leadership. Whatever your leadership has decided, trust that leadership. I'm in no way, shape, or form sitting here condemning your leadership. If you're still closed, if your church is still meeting online, I am not condemning that. Uh, but for me and for others, I think that in this moment, once we've learned the most that we can about this a year later, and we have vaccines, we have to honor God. We have to obey God and gather with the saints on the Lord's Day. So I want to be charitable in this. I don't want to sit here and, and, and just throw hammers at you and, and, and just throw darts your way if that's your church, if you're still closed. And even if you disagree with me, it's okay that we uh, can disagree on this, this topic and these issues. And we can even disagree on whether or not this is a form of persecution against the church. But I do say, number one, there was persecution against Pastor James Coates. And now I believe the church is being persecuted again. Not a physical persecution, not where they're coming in beating them and not people aren't being martyred for their faith that I know of there in Canada yet. But this is one of those things that they are suppressing. They're having to put the church on the run almost. So we see this in the book of Acts. We see that the church would gather and then they would scatter as a result of persecution. Now, we don't know where this church is meeting now. But they're meeting in a secluded place where nobody knows where they are except just the church itself because they don't want to have their building destroyed and more people go to jail and, and again, be persecuted for their faith. So I think this is a form of persecution, and it's here. It's, it's getting closer and closer to America, and I've talked about this before, that it's eventually going to ease down into the United States, and part of it has already been here in places like New York and California, but... This is now a whole new level uh, with the arrest of the pastor there and and not and treating him like a hardened criminal while he was in their possession there at the at the county jail or wherever he was at and then putting a fence up around their building and forcing them to go into another place where they are not known where they have to be sort of in hiding again although they're putting their things out there online for people to see and, and to sermons to listen to that's okay but as for now, they're not heavily persecuted. They are not uh, necessarily going to lose their life if they're found. 
But I do believe this is a form of persecution that's eventually, if we're not careful, will seep down into America, the United States, in such a way that it is already there in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And there's many people here in the United States, many political leaders, many people that would just as soon do what they did in Canada here, right? They would love nothing more than the chance to haul some sort of uh, pastor off to prison for going to church and gathering with the saints. So there's this idea that we have to be ready. We have to be expectant. We have to be on alert. We we need to be sober-minded in this because I believe it's coming because people are, are hating the gospel. They're hating Jesus. They are hating the church more and more these days because of progressive movements, because of liberal things, and uh, all of the things that the church stands for and against. People are being taught completely different, and they're standing against the church now in opposition to the things of God. So I believe that it is going to come. It could be coming in the next year. It could be coming in the next 20 years. But I think it's closer now than it ever has been before. And we have to be paying careful attention to what's going on around us, to what's happening. But at the end of the day, we have to submit ourselves to the Word of God. We have to be obedient to the Word of God. And we have to do what the Word of God says, even if it costs us our life. I'm reminded... Um, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, with Peter and John, when they heal a lame beggar there at the city gate. Um, I'm going to just open up to Acts, chapter 4, real quick. But they were arrested for doing this. I mean, silver or gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk, right? In the name of Jesus Christ, this man just got up and walked, who was a lame beggar for years and years and years. People have seen this man lay in here. They've seen this man begging, and here Peter and John, uh, this man is healed through them. So they're arrested, and um, they're brought before the courts, so to speak, and they were threatened, and they were told not to preach about Jesus again, not to talk about the gospel, and then they responded. So let me just read uh, some of this in Acts chapter 4, verse 16. What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, which is the name of Christ. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They told them, don't do it again. There's nothing much we can do at this point other than threaten you, put you in jail, uh, because we see this man healed. He's standing here. It's clear that this has happened. So they threatened him, and they told him not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. They told him not to preach Jesus, and here is their response. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. 
So they said, here's this guy that's over 40 that's been lame and begging for years and years and years. He's now healed. We can't do anything, but we're going to threaten you. If you preach in the name of Jesus Christ again, it's over with for you, pals. So they say, basically, it's not right for me to listen to you, but to God. And we're going to listen to God. We're going to be obedient to him. We're going to do what he says, not what you say, because God's plans are greater than man's plans, and man would just want to shut down the gospel altogether. Man would want to close every church in America, but God, and in the world for that matter. But God is saying, you be obedient to me. You do what I have commanded you to do. And that's what Pastor James Coates has done. That's what many other churches are doing right now. They're meeting even in the midst of pushback from the governing authorities. And it just so happens that Pastor James Coates was persecuted for his continuance to open the church doors, for him continuing to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they ultimately shut down the church. But... You cannot shut down the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel will not be veiled. It will not be hidden. It will not be stomped out. The word of God is active. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, the writer of Hebrews says. So we have to understand that man can try to stop every church in the world, but God will overcome man's plans. He thwarts them every time for his glory, and his will is going to be done. The Bible talks about a remnant a remnant that's going to be here, that's going to be around. And I believe it's because when persecution happens, there are going to be people that scatter and they never return back to the body of Christ. I believe those are people that have probably never really been saved or converted and and potentially those that have but just haven't been discipled, maybe babes in the faith that just are persecuted and they're like, I'm not having any of this, I'm not going back. But those faithful saints, the ones that, that know Christ and know his word, and are submitted to his word, and are committed to honoring him in obedience to him, those faithful saints will continue to move forward for the glory of God, even when persecuted. So we see this idea of this remnant in the scriptures where it's just a a, a faithful few almost, but although our few is tons and tons to God, right? There's going to be many people that are truly saved, but this remnant will outlast the persecution They will continue down and press on for the faith. They will continue to press on for the gospel for one another to give God glory through all things. This faithful remnant will still remain because the church cannot be closed. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself said the gates of hell will not even prevail against the church. So if the gates of hell will not even prevail against the church, what makes us think man will prevail against the church. They can try to shut it out. They can try to close the doors. They can put fences around the buildings. But at the end of the day, that remnant, that faithful few, those men and women, boys and girls that love Christ and his word and and are committed to gathering with the saints, will find a way to do that. But the word will never be stamped out. You can gather in, in a forest deep or somewhere deep in the jungle, you can gather uh, up high in a tree house somewhere, you can get in a cave and you can gather, but wherever you are, the word of God will never be trampled on and put out like a fire. It is always going to be ablaze. It is always going to be at work. That's why we have the privilege right now in America to hold a Bible in our hands. As a matter of fact, I got this out of my truck earlier 
and it was sitting on top of two more Bibles that I like to use. And then if I were to look around here in my home office, I would see that there are several other Bibles laying around. We have so many resources at our fingertips. If you're watching this, you could see behind me that I have a bookshelf full of resources. There's commentaries back there. There's uh, all sorts of great books written by great men of God, some that have gone on and uh, they're in heaven now, some that are still alive. But we have so many resources at our fingertips that we need to be utilizing because if these resources ever go away, if it ever goes off of all of your digital devices, then we're stuck with nothing unless we have pages of it saved somewhere, unless we rip out pages and kind of hide them. That could be a potential thing that's happening where we get our Bibles taken away. They're trying to take away our guns now. It's only a matter of time before they come for our Bibles. So the Bible tells us that we need to hide the Word in our hearts. So if we do have to gather in a cave or, or, or somewhere in hiding and we don't have a copy of God's Word, we can still preach the text because we've rid, we have written it on our hearts. We have read the text. We have studied the text, and we memorized the text. I was meeting with a, a group of men this past week for breakfast, and um, we talked about how it is important to, to, to memorize Scripture and to have these spiritual disciplines. We, are, we were talking about physical strength and physical working out and having a, a good physical, being in good physical shape, but spiritual shape, spiritual training is of way more value because it lasts for eternity. We, we were obviously there looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, but we, we talked about the importance of spiritual disciplines and Bible memorization, actually Bible intake, number one, and then Bible memorization and meditation on the scriptures. We need to be memorizing scripture, meditating on the scriptures, using all the resources at our fingertips before they're gone and, and, and just vanishing right before us. So we have access to these things. I believe it's important that we use these things because it is my belief that Americans are some of the most biblical, illiterate people. I shared this in my sermon last week that I, I said the same thing. We've got all kind of commentaries and, and resources and so many Bibles that we can open and read and study, and yet we don't take advantage of the resources available to us. We even have wonderful YouTube videos that help us understand certain doctrines. We have uh, got questions articles and different articles online that we can read that, that really bring us a, a knowledge of who God is and a knowledge of the scriptures, yet we are taking the Bible and these resources and we're, number one, not using them, or number two, not using them properly, which brings forth a different theology than the Word of God teaches, which then brings forth a different gospel, which Galatians, and Paul says in Galatians, if somebody preaches you another gospel, to hell with them, basically. Let them be accursed. So we have all of these resources, yet we're so biblically literate. We have got to be people that are mindful of the resources that we have, the, the word of God that we have in our homes, in our hands, in our laps. And we have to utilize these resources for the glory of God because there is no telling one day your church or my church could be meeting somewhere, hiding in a cave or hiding uh, out of somebody's view. You may be sneaking in somebody's home at night to gather around the Word of God. You may have it and you may not. So we need to study the true text because there is a, there is a theological system out there that would say, 
Well, if you're suffering, if, if you're going through all these trials and things, then you don't have enough faith, you're not giving enough, you're not doing all of these things that you should be, there's some sin in your life that you need to get rid of because suffering is only a result of those things. Well, that is a, a, a result of taking the Bible and twisting it for someone else's advantage or to put out a different narrative. That is a different gospel because... James teaches us to count it all joy when you experience trials of various kinds because this is testing our faith that produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask, and it will be given to you. You see, uh, the Bible also says for those that desire to live a godly life in Christ, you will be persecuted. So we need to look at this Word of God, study it to understand exactly what God is saying so when we are, you know, even if we aren't persecuted, we need to be teaching the right things. We need to be teaching proper theology. We need to be teaching right doctrines from the Scripture that point people to Jesus and give God glory, even when it says that we will suffer as Christ has suffered. And that's not as a result of a lack of faith or a lack of money given to some ministry. Uh, and it, I'm sure it's a result of sin, the suffering that we go through. It's obviously a result of sin. Uh, but some of these theological systems out there would have you to believe that it's your fault and you shouldn't be suffering. So we have to be people of the Word that use it rightly and then teach it rightly. That's why we see people like Pastor James Coates standing against the health orders and defying those tyrants and continuing to preach the Word of God because he knows the Word of God, believes the Word of God, and interprets the Word of God for the most part, correctly, and I say for the most part because there's always somewhere that we lack in our interpretation of the Scriptures because some things are are mysteries hidden until they'll be revealed to us, if they're ever revealed to us. So, uh, Pastor James Coates knows the Word and stands on the Word of God, and so should we, because that same persecution, although light, although... Uh, it's not a physical persecution. I do believe it is a pers- form of persecution that is coming and can come at any moment. So we need to be ready. We need to be prepared, and we need to be ready to stand in the face of those who try to shut down and overcome the church of God, but it will not happen because not even hell, again, will prevail against the church. So I hope this is encouraging at least. I hope that you would take the Bibles and the resources that you have in your home and start utilizing them and utilizing them properly so you can get the Word in you so that if you are ever in a position without the Word or if we get it stripped away from us, it'll be in our hearts and we can continue to gather with the saints and preach His Word that we've memorized, that we've loved, and that we've interpreted the right way according to the way God wanted it to be interpreted. So if you find yourself facing this situation, stand firm on the Word and stand firm trusting in Jesus Christ and trusting the will of God for your life. I praise God for men and men like Pastor James Coates and men and women that are in that church that are going to continue to gather even though they're discouraged, strongly discouraged not to. So I want to encourage you, even if you're not being persecuted, gather with the saints It is very important that we gather with each other on the Lord's Day to proclaim the excellencies of Him, to sing psalms together, to pray together, to just to worship together. 
and to hear the word together and respond together. So persecution could be coming to a city near you soon. Are you ready? And will you stand firm on the word of God? I hope you are, and I hope you will. And I, I just want to say I thank you guys for listening to this. I know the, the issue with Pastor James Coates has probably been uh, talked about over and over and over, but I think it's important that we as Christians know what's going on and know how we would respond in a situation like that. So again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. If, if you watched on YouTube, excuse me, but if you watched there, thank you. If you listened, thank you. As always, you can email me at doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can always reach me there, or you can look us up on Facebook, Doctrine Matters Podcast. We're there as well. You can send messages there. You can like the content there. Uh, We'll get some of that stuff back up and rolling soon. Uh, We're going to try so hard to get consistent uh, on a weekly basis putting out episodes because there's a lot to talk about that is happening right now in our world and especially within the church. So uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Until next time, God bless.